You are listening to Voces, a Jolt Action political podcast. Jolt Action is the largest Latinx civic engagement organization in Texas, building a movement of young Latinx to transform the Lone Star State. Bienvenidos. Mi nombre es Antonio Arellano, and I lead Jolt Action. On today's episode of Voces, we are talking to a powerful voice advancing policy priorities, civic participation, and fighting systemic injustices against Latinos, immigrants, and the most vulnerable communities in the United States. Hector Sanchez Barbara is the executive director of Mi Familia Vota. Hola, Hector. How's it going? ¿Qué tal, Antonio? Muchas gracias por la invitación. Oh, no, es un placer, un placer. Gracias por uh, aceptar la invitación y estar con nosotros hoy en día. ¿Cómo estás? Really good. I'm here in Washington, D.C. We just had a lot of snow, but um, obviously the sun is shining now, especially after the last two weeks that we have seen a new, new kind of policies coming our way. So we're very excited about what is uh, in the future of, of this city and also the advocacy that we need to keep doing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting time in America. There's a new administration in place, and it's starting to take a toll on policy, and they're moving forward quickly to drive forward transformative change. But, you know, I want to talk about you, Hector. Celaya, Guanajuato is in the building. Yo soy nacido en Uriangato, Guanajuato, uh, and oh, I was raised in paisano. Morelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to see your trajectory uh, Hector has been really inspiring and you've been able to really transform and impact politics in America in a really transformative way. There's a lot of young folks that are now looking to you, looking to the work that Mi Familia Bota is doing and are wanting to get involved. And in 2020, they did. Latinos are coming out like never before in America and they're driving forward political change that is destined to transform American politics. How do you see the future of the Latino vote in the United States? I see, I'm very optimistic about the, the future of our community. Obviously we have been under some of the most horrible attacks in the history of our nation against immigrants, against Latinos, uh, hate crimes against our community increased drastically in the last administration in the four years, increased 26%. Everything about us, la mexicanidad, something that we're so proud of, eh, suddenly became a, an insult. If somebody called you Mexican on the street in the last administration, probably didn't mean it as a compliment. It was a, an insult. And it's, it's very unfortunate. It's something that we are very proud of. The same for immigrants and the same for Latinos overall. But the power is in our hands. And I'm so excited to be in this space to really reflect on the power of young people. Uh, we show in this election what happens when we organize, what happens when we invest in the community. And more importantly, where the present and the future, the Latino community is 10 years younger in average than the national uh, age in the nation. We are around uh, 28 years average in the Latino community, while the national average is around 38, close to 40. So we're the present and we are the future. So it's very, very important to really understand political power, embrace it, grab it, not wait for somebody to give it to us. This is a democracy. In a democracy, we get involved. We don't need to ask permission to somebody to give us an opportunity. Something that happens in our community uh, sometimes is because we have been the most underrepresented community in the most important spaces of power. 
So sometimes we haven't seen ourselves in those spaces of power, reflected in those spaces. And that is why uh, sometimes, uh, uh, especially young people, maybe uh, doesn't uh, see themselves in those important uh, spaces, in, in councils, in politics, in corporate boards, etc. But we must change that. And it's up to us if we want to change that. And the way we change a democracy is just by getting involved. And the most amazing stories that I have seen is when people start getting involved at young age, when they start getting involved in, in politics in, in high school, uh, running for, or in the university, running for, I run for a senator in the University of Texas at El Paso. And it was very interesting to see my, my campaign at the time. But I think that's what um, opens a lot of the different elements of how we can get involved and in just asking the question, why not me? Why uh, historically in this nation, the most important spaces of power have been occupied by white males? Why do we have that situation? And why are we facing some of the biggest exclusion and challenges when it comes to policy priorities in our community? So we all can have access to this because we are in a democratic system and we all deserve to have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And it's really exciting. It's inspiring to see these young Latinos and Latinas leading the way across the country. We just saw what happened in Arizona and what happened in Georgia. And a lot of that attributed to communities of color, to young people um, that turned out like never before. And I'm so happy that you talked about how Texas has a special place in your heart because you went to UT El Paso and, you know, Jolt and Mi Familia Bota have worked and collaborated before because a lot of our work overlaps and we have one shared mission, which is to continue to empower the Latino community and to continue to drive forward civic participation and civic engagement. And Jolt uh, has a, a student chapter at El Paso and our student chapters all over the state are starting to tell us that one of the issues that young Latinos care about is climate change and climate justice, and the impacts of climate change on the Latino community. And here in Texas, a lot of people would be surprised to know that climate justice is a Latino issue. And, you know, I read one of your op-eds, Hector, in 2019, you wrote an op-ed for Univision que se llamaba El Racismo Ambiental y Su Impacto en la Comunidad Latina. Talk to me about that. No, that's a very important element in how amazing it is to see uh, the young people involved in environmental issues. It's very common sense. Basically, young people are saying, we need to protect our tierra because what past generations have done is, is not okay. I mean, all this contamination, all this uh, contamination of rivers, contamination of the air, contamination of our spaces. But more importantly for the Latino community, this is very personal. This is not something abstract that we don't see. This is something that we feel on a daily basis. Uh, we live next to the factories where mostly working class families so, uh, or neighborhoods are the ones that suffer from that contamination from factories. In many cases, we live next to the rivers that are being contaminated. That's the water that we drink. So uh, we see how uh, the direct impact of um, being exposed to this contamination. The Latino community or children have higher levels of asthma because of these situations. And if we look into the workplaces, for example, the farm workers that are mostly immigrants, mostly Latinos, all of them almost. Another environmental issue is uh, that we look at it from the environmental perspective and also from the workers' rights perspective is pesticides. 
uh, or farm workers are being sprayed with pesticides when they're working in the fields. That's unacceptable. That's inhumane. That's something that shouldn't happen in the country that claims to be the most powerful, most advanced nation in the world. And what we see in our farm workers is, is horrible. Uh, a lot of them are just literally being poisoned with these pesticides. We have seen uh, horrible situations in which children are born, uh, kids are born without extremities, with no arms, no legs, because of the exposure to to these issues, uh, the asthma that I mentioned, etc. So it's really powerful to see young people being very active in the environmental movement and literally say, we are not going to let anybody continue poisoning and destroying our Madre Tierra because we're the young ones. We're the ones paying the price for this and we still have a future in in this space so we must protect it. So it's very powerful to see this movement um, organizing around uh, environmental issues. And let's take it a step further and say, as we transition to renewable energy, as we transition to uh, a more equitable environment, um, let's talk about equity and let's talk about how these new jobs, this new uh, opportunity should be prioritized for communities of color, right? You talk about how frontline communities are Latino communities, uh, low to middle income folks that are living next to oil refineries, petrochemical plants, whose children are uh, suffering because of the direct impacts and results of these contaminations. They should be front and center in terms of driving forward solutions and then getting access to the opportunities that come as a result of those solutions and the workforce opportunities that come as a result of that, right? And I think that young Latinos and young Latinas are starting to take note of that um, and are should have a seat at the table in terms of how we drive forward an equitable lens and an equitable transition towards a climate justice in this country. And, and unfortunately, when you talk about pesticides and you talk about farm, farm workers, this is a fight that we've been fighting for, for decades. I mean, this goes back to Cesar Chavez. I mean, you know, this, this, goes, fight to, this goes back to the farm worker and labor union uh, fight that we've been fighting for, for so long, you know, and hopefully we can continue to make headway and, and finally put, uh, make, make, make a substantial difference. And I believe that young Latinos will, will be the catalyst in that. Now, let's talk about what, what is really plaguing our community right now, and that's this global pandemic. I've seen Mi Familia Bota uh, really champion and, and speak out loudly about the, the fact that it's disproportionately impacting Latino communities. And the death rate is absolutely ludicrous when it comes to Latinos in this country. You know, we've seen some signs that now more people are taking note, but not quickly enough. Too many of us have died already, and not enough is being done. What is your opinion on terms of the disproportionate impact of Latinos due to COVID? Or families or community, the immigrant community in particular, the Latino community has been in the front lines, keeping the economy going at a time when we're facing this, some of probably the worst pandemic that we have seen in, in our history. And we must honor and recognize that element. Latinos and immigrants are the ones uh, building, are the ones taking care of children, are the ones preparing the food, are the ones uh, in, the, in, in the farm workers that actually uh, have been exposed to these issues. We're represented in these industries. So it's unacceptable 
that uh, immigrants, uh, undocumented immigrants or mixed-status families have been excluded from some of the benefits of the COVID relief packages that have been implemented in, in, in Congress or that are currently being discussed. Uh, we cannot continue being a hypocritical nation that is taking advantage of uh, undocumented workers and not creating a system of inclusion, a system of legalization. This nation has built the perfect bubble of exploitation to exploit these workers until they die almost on their, on their COVID or they get exploited on a daily basis in entire sectors of the economy. Uh, I already mentioned farm workers, most of them are undocumented. The people that actually put food in our, in our tables, the people that are taking care of our children, the people that are building our roads or houses, the people that are doing probably some of the most important and frontline works in the nation. And it's so acceptable that instead of thanking these people, embracing these people by giving them a process of legalization, that this nation in the last year has been one of the most anti-immigrant uh, that we have seen and actually attacking these immigrants that are doing so much for us. Uh, 11 million undocumented workers in the most powerful nation in the planet is not a mistake, it's public policy. And we must change that. And this is why we're mobilizing so hard. Because if, if we really, uh, all, the, all the research shows that these um, amazing workers, these amazing families are playing a central role for the present and the future of this nation, without this worker or economy, our economy will be devastated, our economy will suffer. So it's time to stop all this uh, exploitation. It's time to stop this hypocrisy. And it's time as a nation to create system of inclusions because we need these workers and it's time to stop exploiting them. Voces is made possible by listeners like Tu. Please visit jolttx.org slash donate to help fuel the fight for progressive change in Texas. Now back to Voces. No, you're absolutely right. And I hear the passion in your voice and, and the sense of urgency that I wish uh, was reflected in our Congress um, when it comes to dealing with the immigrant community in, in this country. Let me ask you, Hector, where does that come from? You know, you've been doing this for so long with such passion. De donde nace eso? Where does your fuel for justice come from? Yeah, yeah, I, I've been an advocate all of my life. This is what I've been doing and um, um, working in the labor movement, working on the immigrant rights movement, now working in in creating and building a political power. I, I've been exposed to just witnessing those spaces of work, uh, delegations where we go and, and, and talk to the farm workers, see how uh, obviously, undocumented, they had to live literally in chicken houses in North Carolina when we went with like, the Farm Labor Organizing Committee. Uh, in, in, in horrible situations, I will compare the level of poverty and exploitation that I saw in those spaces with what I witnessed in developing nations. And it's unacceptable that a democracy and the most powerful nation uh, in the world uh, has entire sectors that are literally uh, suffering at these levels and, and in all the industries that are so central for our economy, it's again, and it's, it's unacceptable. And 
it's a nation that uh, we need to move in a better direction. It's unacceptable that for decades the minimum wage has remained at the same level. Or people or families have to have, in many cases, two or three jobs uh, to be able to just <laughs> have a, a, a basic life and be able to eat. So you can work full time in this nation, two or three jobs, and still not have enough to pay the rent or to be able to live. So what happens with the American dream? Who is the American dream for? And that's something we need to reflect. At the same time, we have the largest concentration of wealth in the history of humanity to the point that it's dangerous. When do they stop having so much wealth? What does it mean for somebody to have $200 billion in their pocket while uh, there are entire forces that are opposing increasing the minimum wage, entire forces that are uh, trying to destroy Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid? something that is very important for young people to understand. I will strongly recommend all the young people in, that are listening right now, as soon as this is done, Google all the benefits that we need because there are entire forces that are destroying that. And if you retire and you don't have Social Security, you don't have uh, Medicare and Medicaid, and, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you to use some of the basic infrastructures of protection. In another recommendation for all of you young people, start thinking about retirement. Don't make the mistake that many of us do that in your 40s, you start thinking about retirement because um, it's, it's going to be harder. Um, so start asking yourself these questions. You start early learning about the process. We are the community that has the lowest accumulation of wealth in, in the nation, uh, pretty similar to the African-American community. And it's important to understand the systems, important to demand a piece of the pie because we are almost 20% of the population. So start asking yourself these questions and mobilize to protect these elements. The Latino community, we are the most vulnerable workers in the nation. We have the highest levels of debt and injuries at work, the highest levels of wage theft. Literally, we're not getting paid what we're supposed to be paid for the work that we do. So it's amazing to see that a lot of the mobilizations in the nation come from young people, people like the dreamers that are fighting for uh, undocumented and unafraid, fighting for, for what is right, the carguacheros, a lot of young people organizing around better wages and better jobs. So uh, let's keep doing that for our community. Hector, was there a moment in your life when you realized you were going to dedicate uh, so much of yourself to fighting on behalf of the most vulnerable in this country? Was there something that triggered you that said, this is what I'm going to do? I was always very um, empathetic and it pained me when I saw people being bullied, when I saw people being abused, when I saw people, unfortunately, on the streets, young children in Central Mexico sometimes asking for money. It, it really uh, devastated me. Um, when I, I, I went to college, I really wanted to understand politics. Um, and at the time, my first year, I did it in Mexico, uh, in the University de las Americas. And they didn't have political science. So that's when I, I came to the United States, the University of Texas at El Paso. I was super aventurero. I was a mochilero at the time as a young person. I used to travel around the world and try work all year long and 
in trouble to understand the world, to understand other cultures, to understand other languages, to have the empathy of of really seeing the world to the eyes of the other people. I, I recommend to everybody, if you guys have the opportunity to to travel and mochilear in different spaces, it's amazing because you can really see other cultures. And this nation uh, should be more empathetic towards the world and to other cultures and languages, speaking different languages. So I remember that's how I went to the University of Texas at El Paso and immediately start getting involved and asking the tough questions from the political elements, the political regimes, the policies, etc. And since then, I've been working on these different issues, always kind of uh, asking the questions of why, why the pie is divided in such an unfair way, why so many people have to be poor when we are the richest nation in the planet, why so few have so much and, and a lot of people uh, cannot even have access to what I already mentioned, some of the basics while they're working so hard. But the beautiful story of how I ended up in D.C. is um, I always like uh, to be involved in, in, the, in the system, in, in the university I ran for, for senators. So I was involved in organizing conferences, organizing different things. So one of my best friends, Osvaldo Zavala, now he's a professor in CUNY University in, in Manhattan and, and a writer. Um, we kind of... Um, empathize with each other and, and we have a lot of intellectual curiosity and always asking questions. So he was the he was working for a Mexican magazine called Proceso and he was writing from DC. So I came to DC one day to visit my friend and I fell in love with this city. And that's how I decided that if I wanted to create change at we can create change at a lot of levels, but I knew there was just an immediate click with the city. So as soon as I finished my, my master's, I literally packed my car and I drove across the nation. At the time, I had a one-year working permit. Uh, as an immigrant, we know that it's so hard to follow the process, even when we follow every step. And they make it. That's another story that I could share. But So I had a one-year permit. I drove to D.C. and I started knocking on doors. Literally, I, I, I didn't have uh, literally any contacts in D.C., so every time I met somebody, I asked them if they couldn't help me open doors. I asked them for two emails of people that I could reach out and, and just try to explore possibilities for opportunities to work. And that's how one person right there having cafecito offered me a job, uh, Arnoldo Ramos. He was the head of the Council of Latino Agencies. And he gave me an opportunity to start working on education and helping Latino parents in, in, in Washington, D.C. And that's how... That's how he started my career. And the rest is history as they say, right? You know, and now you're leading um, such an important work at, at the grassroots level nationwide that is really revolutionizing the way that politics is being conducted in this country. And that is uniquely, I believe, uh, positioned to catapult and usher in a new era of, of American politics. And, and this type of grassroots organizing is important for the country because it's the way that we sustain democracy for the long haul. Um, you know, uh, through your efforts of voter registration, voter mobilization, voter education, we are empowering the next generation of civic participation in America. 
Can you talk to me about the importance of the work that you're doing now and, you know, grassroots voter mobilization? Yeah. Let me contextualize why this is so important. And I will say it's the top priority in our community. I've been working in Washington, D.C. for 20 years on policy issues. Literally every single policy issue, the economy, education, labor rights, immigration, environmental issues, uh, criminal justice issues, etc. I could keep going on and on. And I can tell you that in every policy issue, we are always uh, the community that is either excluded the most or that is facing some of the biggest challenges on that particular issue. And I'm fully convinced that unless we grab the political power that our community deserves, we're going to continue facing those challenges. Now, if we continue organizing, mobilizing, and, and resisting, and taking positions of power all over the nation, we're going to change that spectrum. We're going to bring our voices to the table. And this starts at all levels. I'm not just talking about the fact that we never had a Latino or Latina president. We never had a Latino or a Latina vice president. How do we explain that in more than 200 years of history, we only had one Latina or Latino in, in the Supreme Court? We are the most underrepresented group when it comes to Congress and the Senate. Uh, and I can keep going on. I mean, all the important spaces of power, uh, the presidents of universities, uh, Latinos and Latina CEOs, uh, board members, etc. But all of this goes to the point of the people that are listening right now. It starts with you and it starts at your age. The youngest you get start getting involved, the more you're going to learn the process and the more you're going to be learning, even if it's not a position representing the Latino community. It's with us. We know what happens in our communities. We know the policies that are important for our communities. We know because we see it, what it means, the devastation that it causes to have an obsession with deportations and not having a system of inclusion for our families. We know what it means to be suffering from um, uh, all these racial attacks and, and, and hate crimes, etc., in our communities. Or we know what it means when somebody tells you, you can't speak Spanish, this is America. We know how painful of those, those elements are, but this is part of a, a historical racial system of inclusion, exclusion of communities of color in particular. So unless we organize and starting at an early age from high school, or even younger kids, but uh, uh, I know the political systems start mainly in high school, in college, start getting in the school boards, start running for local office, and, and then make it all the way to DC. I mean, we're extremely underrepresented, and we need to grab that power. We cannot wait for somebody to give us permission to have a seat at the table. We deserve those 20% of seats at the table or more, and we need to have all of these Latinos and Latinas in, in different spaces, in Texas. Texas is a perfect example of the unique opportunities. We have uh, 11 million Latinos in the state. We are almost a majority over there. Yet, when we see the representation of the government over there, it's, um, it's, uh, we are seriously underrepresented. We don't see ourselves represented in those spaces of power, in a school board, at the state level, at the federal level. 
we don't have our voices in, in these tables. Actually, the opposite. We have some extremist voices. Some of the most extremist voices in our history can come, unfortunately, from Texas and other spaces in which the extremist white, uh, uh, either supremacist or the right, has been taking these spaces and is it's affecting our quality of life. This is about our families. This is about the kind of parks that we want. This is about the kind of schools. This is about the kind of housing that we want in our communities. It's not something abstract. It's something very practical. If we don't want to see our families suffering from wage theft, living in poverty, having situations in which they have to work two or three jobs to be able to feed our families, we almost be get involved because we cannot wait for other people to change what we're facing in our communities. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and I think that we are at the beginning of this new era where you're seeing young Latinos really start to get involved in unprecedented ways. And so exciting to see that. Thank you for participating and being a part of that. Hector, you've been doing a lot of work for quite some time now, but I want to know when all of this is said and done, what is the legacy that you are leaving behind? Well, I'm hoping I can contribute with un granito de arena or un granito de azúcar or un granito de frijoles, whatever it is, to really open more doors and change the national composition of political power in this nation and to have a more uh, inclusive and representative democracy, a democracy in which all the different races, all the different religions, all the different sexual orientations, all the different communities, immigrants, etc., have a voice at the table, and it's an inclusive democracy. I'm the eternal optimistic, and I know I'm very hopeful. And this is something that research shows is, is part of uh, being an immigrant. We are always more optimistic. We work harder to get there. We work harder for a better future for our families. And I know that the future of this nation and the present of this nation, especially because we are the youngest uh, community, is 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 critical uh, in the context of uh, immigrants and Latinos. So let's keep working hard. Let's keep dreaming. But at the same time, let's keep doing our job in terms of the political power that we need. That we need. Civic participation is the most important element for us if we want to advance policy agendas for our family. So make sure you register to vote. Make sure you become a citizen. Make sure you ask your parents and convince your parents and tell them why it's so important to participate in the democratic process. And let's make sure we continue participating uh, for the rest of our life. And the last thing, run for something. If you are in high school, run for something in your high school. If you are in college, please, please, please just run and and, and ask tough questions and, and try to bring the the values of our community to those important spaces y todos juntos podemos lograr un mejor futuro. Héctor Sánchez Barba, an important voice in American politics. Thank you so much for joining us today. This episode of Voices was recorded at our Jolt Action headquarters in Houston, Texas. We drop new episodes of Voices every other week on Wednesdays. If you like our content, please be sure to subscribe and share. Learn more about our mission to empower the Latinx community in Texas and find out how you can get involved at joltx.org. That's J-O-L-T-T-X dot O-R-G. 